0: The C.S. Lewis Podcast with Alistair McGrath. Hello and welcome back to the show. It's Justin Brierley bringing you seven of C.S. Lewis's significant apologetics and devotional Christian works with Alistair McGrath in this current season of the podcast. Today exploring the Screwtape Letters published in 1942. They essentially saw C.S. Lewis rise to international prominence as an author. He was on the cover of things like Time magazine after the publication of this book. Uh, We'll be talking about his creative approach to conversion, temptation and the Christian life in this absolute Classic. Um, as I mentioned last time, some uh, exciting news. We have a new online home for the podcast. You can now go to premierunbelievable.com and see all of what we're producing from Unbelievable. Uh, some great other shows that if you haven't discovered yet, you'll find there Unbelievable, Ask NT Write Anything, The Matters of Life and Death podcast with John and Tim Wyatt. And we've got some exciting new shows in the pipeline as well, which we'll be announcing at our Unbelievable conference in May but if you want to register for our newsletter for updates on the show you'll get a free ebook if you do that as well do check it out. PremierUnbelievable.com. You can even support the show from there as well. Uh, Alistair is one of our keynote speakers at Unbelievable the Conference as well. Uh, now, only whoa, five weeks away, and four key sessions at the conference. Really excited about our theme this year as we help the church find its authentic voice again amidst the culture wars. Um, so, we're going to be looking at how to find our voice again uh, in the midst of cancel culture, identity politics, everything else. Um, some really interesting. Um, talks and uh, panel discussions going on around that, speaking life into the spheres of art, science, education, global justice, and also telling our story, really practical ways to share Christ with grace and truth in a divided culture. Uh, so go and check out all of the speakers including alistair lisa fields glenn scrivener sharon Diricks, joseph D'Souza, calvin robinson jeff vines john white phil fisher and Sky Jitani. we've got a big lineup as well as our big conversation event the very same evening not to be missed this year you can come in person or online from anywhere in the world we're doing it at a time that's especially helpful to our u.s listeners too uh, we're even offering the option to um uh, to attend age screening at some churches that are doing that around uh, in the u.s and canada so uh do check that out unbelievable.live and the, the link to our new ministry page as well from today's show let's get into today's conversation Hello and welcome back to this week's edition of the podcast. We're looking at some of Lewis's major works in sort of chronological order in this season of the podcast with Alistair. Uh, We've already looked at uh, Pilgrim's Regress, uh, the the Problem of Pain, and today we're looking at The Screwtape Letters, which uh, is one of Lewis's best loved works in in many ways. And, And as you've said on last week's podcast, Alistair, really it was his breakthrough book, wasn't it? Um, uh, t- tell us tell us how, how this book came to be written, first of all. Well, the,
1: the story behind this book is really interesting. Lewis went to his local church in Oxford, um, Holy Trinity, Heddingham Quarry, and um, in July 1940, he um, was sitting through what seems to have been a very dull sermon, and his mind wandered, and he began to play around with this idea of telling about temptation, not from our side of the story, but from the other side of the story. And it just captured his imagination. He went home really excited because he wanted to get get on with this. And he actually began to write um, these screw tape letters. There were 31 of them for um, a weekly church magazine called um, The Guardian. And what's nice is they're all short letters and they're all about the same length. So actually it's a very nice, very manageable format. And basically what happened was that these, these got noticed. Um, and Ashley Sampson, in fact, who commissioned the problem of pain, uh, read these um, letters and thought, hey, these need to be published. So basically that's what happened. They were picked up and published as, the pro- as um, screwed up Letters in 1942.
0: There you go. I hadn't realized that they were first of all, though, had this life as a um, uh, just just as a column, effectively in, in a church. So so obviously Lewis did had Lewis sort of had this brainwave during a sermon. Um, and it goes to show even boring sermons have their have their value in God's economy. But he, he'd he had this brainwave. And did he then approach the, the newspaper and saying, I've got an idea for a column? I think he did. Um, and um th- th- followed through on with this series of letters.
1: Um, I don't think he really thought of this becoming a book, but certainly others had ideas. But I think, think as you you rightly say, I mean, very often people will say, well, sermons stimulate us in all kinds of ways. And perhaps uh, this is an example of one way in which uh, (laughs) sermons stimulate us in unexpected ways. (laughs)
0: absolutely it gives you thinking time doesn't it if you're not mm. really concentrating um I, i've actually got a, a rather lovely sort of slightly older edition of the book here with me um and um this was published by fontana books and if you look closely it says three and six in the corner um and this was a 1964 edition uh, i think of the or 1965 edition of of the book um there's a rather lovely inscription though and i can't remember how it came down to me or where i picked it up secondhand somewhere but um, it's got an inscription to Timothy Warham confirmed in Selby Abbey on the 29th of June 1965 by Douglas Selby, as far as I can uh, tell, after preparation with. And I can't make out the name of the person who prepared this this uh, uh, person for confirmation. But anyway, um, obviously, it was deemed a, a suitable sort of confirmation gift in the 1960s. And, and it was phenomenally popular, wasn't it, um, at the time of its publication? What what why do you think it? it Became so popular, um, so so quickly. This this particular book. Well, it? the chapters are all very short. The the, the framework that's used,
1: uh, the, the the kind of. Um Uh, senior tempter and his apprentice is is brilliant. It's just, it's just so original. It's very, very witty Um, and uh, people just loved it. And also, I mean, Lewis packs a lot of interesting reflection into those letters um, and makes it very, very accessible, much more so than some of his more uh, academic books. So really it was a kind of, Breakthrough book in that it was um, it was really helpful to a lot of people, really
0: original, and people people really picked up them in a big way. And and in a way, the I, I suppose the the thing the thing that's really marks it out is is that very creative way in which Lewis the device he uses of, of using you know the senior devil corresponding with his junior underling and it, and the way that in the way that 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 works itself out means everything has to be reversed good becomes evil evil becomes good you know and so on and and that's just quite fun isn't it it's literally just that device alone i think almost um carries the book along because people quite enjoy having to sort of get their head around the idea that, you know, ev- everything is reversed in, in the world of these, these demons and devils.
1: It's a very original framework and, and it works. I think that's the really important thing. It makes sense. And you've got to bear in mind that in many ways, what Lewis was doing is saying, look, traditionally, we've had lots of books that tell Christians how to deal with temptation and that they're very worthy and they're very dull. But here is something different. This uses an imaginative framework to allow you to visualise this problem in a new way. And when you do that it, 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 you, you see it immediately it makes much more sense I think that's one of the reasons why people loved it it was, it was just original it was a fresh angle on a traditional problem and actually you know the funny thing is that the advice Lewis is giving through the book is really very traditional but it's the way he does it it is completely new so in
0: effect it's an, it freshens things up enormously I think that's much much better and, and I think that's why it's had a life you know beyond the normal audience that you might say a, a Christian book you know of this type might might normally have and you've had to, you know it's been so popular even you know in relatively secular audiences I know that for instance John Cleese has you know done done a narration of it and that sort of thing I think it's because it's great fun you know the, just the, the central premise of the book is is, is rather fun and, and Lewis, you know, in that way, he's done a tremendous service, I think, with something like the Screwtape Letters in, in really taking those ideas and putting them in a really public setting, hasn't he? He has. And I think you know, he, he engages
1: some very traditional problems. One of the most interesting bits, in my view, is where um, Screwtape tells his apprentice to get to work on his patient's experiences and make him feel that Christianity can't be really true, and you know. In fact, it, it, it is a brilliant uh, way of saying, "Look, don't rely on experience too much." But, the, but the way of saying, "Look, um, Screw Tape is using this as a strategy to unravel your faith," it is brilliant, and that's why um, so many people like it. The advice Lewis gives is good, but it's given, um, but but you assess it by its impact on Screw Tape. So it's really, really a
0: very good way of um, mm, helping mm. us to think through issues of. Temptation and the problems we experience. I, I was going to say, and, and that, that in that sense, he helps you to see temptation from the other side, so to speak. It's often, you know, Christian writers often use it to focus our, our own role in temptation, but but seeing it from from that other side. I, I mean, d- to what extent do you think this is just a device that Lewis is using, and and how much did he really genuinely think there was this sort of? spiritual battle there, there really are, you know, malign spiritual forces trying to use things to to tempt people into various ways. Is is that the way Lewis really would have conceived this kind of battle going on, as it were, in the in the spiritual dimension?
1: Well, we need to bear in mind that Lewis specialised in the literature of the Middle Ages. And this kind of way of thinking would been natural in the Middle Ages. And that is really part of what Lewis is doing. He's almost taking a medieval way of looking at things and updating it and moving it to the present and then helping us to see, for example, what happens when we rely too much on experience. So I think Lewis, himself probably thinks this is absolutely right but of course there's a long history of thinking of temptation in this way so if you like Lewis is taking a a framework of discussing this, which he knows very, very well from his professional career, but he's inverting it, you know, and saying, let's just flip it around, see what it looks like. And actually, it's really helpful. So it's very interesting, because to me, it illustrates how Lewis, the literary scholar, is able to draw on precedents, which really make
0: for a very, very good story and use it profitably. Mm. Now, you know, typically, when it comes to how to ward off temptation and live a a more sort of Um, Unify Christian life, a lot of writers might, you know, encourage people to to go back to prayer and reading the Bible and and so on. Lewis, though, does does place a lot of emphasis on the role of evidence and argument in defending faith against temptation. Why why does he sort of go in that direction particularly? It goes in that direction because Lewis is
1: is concerned that um, there are various forms of popular piety which do rest a lot on the way in which you feel. Uh, You know, I don't feel God is there, or I do feel God is there. And and Lewis, I think, um, has clearly had some bad experiences um, along these lines. What he wants to say is, you don't rely on your subjective perceptions of reality. You try and let evidence and, and, you know, reason thinking um, to guide you here. And that's one of the reasons why, um, you know, for example, in the Chronicles of Narnia, time and time again, you know, what is the evidence for this, you know, um, and it's a very important point, Um, you know, in trying to work out, for example, who's the goody and who's the baddie in um, uh, the uh, <coughs> uh, the line which in the wardrobe, you know, it's about evidence. What does the evidence suggest? I think what Lewis is really saying is two things. Number one, the evidence is on the Christian side. I think he wants to make that point very, very clearly. But secondly, there is a danger that we get locked into very subjective, very emotional ways of thinking, which simply aren't helpful. We simply drown in our own emotions. And Lewis is suggesting in the narrative of Scrooge that actually this is one way of losing your faith, becoming too entangled with a complex
0: emotional situation. I think there's a scene, isn't there, where you know he's 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 warning um, uh, Wormwood that. You know, the patient has uh, been studying books which are starting, you know, this is at the beginning of this person's journey towards Christian faith at the beginning of the book, are starting to persuade them that perhaps there is more than just, you know, the world around us and that God exists and so on. Um, and, And sort of suggests, you know, things to throw in their path to kind of immediately make them to just think of that as just, oh, that's just, you know ideas I was having in the library. And and now I'm having my lunch and I'm back in the real world. There's a sense in which Lewis wanted to pinpoint the fact that we we can tend to divorce the, you know, the the, the intellect and and the things that might lead us towards God from quote unquote real life. And and, and so, I I mean, talk a little bit about that and the way that Lewis, what was Lewis trying to to do in in kind of giving us that lesson, if you like, through through screw tapes, um, attempts at, at putting these temptations in the path of the, the individual. Well,
1: that, that's a great point. In fact, one of the best examples of this is um, Lewis's critique of chronological snobbery. And one of the points that Lewis makes time and time again is you can't um, disregard books because they're old. He makes the point that there's wisdom in the past, we need to engage it. And so what Screwtape does, and you can see the way in which Screwtape is kind of way based a bit on Lewis. Uh, what Screwtape does is to try and get his patient to think hey, this is an old book. That's a New Testament. can't be right. You know, we, we've moved on since then. We're modern. And if you like, it's all about trying to persuade the patient that he simply believes a lot of old junk from the past and we're in the present now, so it can't be right. And actually, Lewis himself will, will make those points in a much more detailed way elsewhere. But it's a
0: brilliant, um, short, popular presentation of that key point. I mean, when this young man does eventually actually become a christian which is of course a crushing you know disappointment for, for screw taylor wordwood in this in this book but when he does he he's introduced to church and and all the sort of disappointment that can come with this you know because it's a very human institution and the people he's with and so on so so tell us a little bit about um what lewis why lewis suggests that that actually the local church can be a bit of a problem when it comes to, you know, walking through your faith and so on. Well, let's go back to the point that Lewis conceived this book during a very dull
1: sermon. Now, that might just help us see why you know, the institution <laughs> of the church isn't always as helpful to the life of faith as we might like. But I think one of the points that Lewis makes brilliantly is, you know, when you go to a church, you see all these ordinary people you know and 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 you kind of the people you you meet in the street and 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 it, it, you know screwtape is saying we've got to use this to kind of way persuade this guy it, it's no good um and one of the points that Lewis is making is that actually there is a, a disconnection between our expectations about what the church should be, and the very ordinary way it all too often is and actually Lewis went to his own church um not to one of the more sophisticated say, center churches in Oxford, because he felt that he was embedded in his local community and he would go to the local church. So in fact, the scenes he describes in Screwtape would have been ones he experienced himself at that church. And what Lewis is trying to say is, look, see through the ordinariness of the people to what it is that they have found that
0: makes them extraordinary. Absolutely. and And, and in that sense, I think, Lewis is very good at grounding this in our everyday experience because I think that's one of the problems sometimes with grand you know thinking and theology and apologetics it it, it 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 can raise us up to a great level but then we kind of come <laughs> crashing down when we're actually trying to put it into practice with the you know the the frustrations that we all experience you know with uh, other people and so on and and likewise you know it's he's very down to earth and one gets a sense that some of lewis's own struggles with you know friends relatives mrs moore and so on are, are sort of being put into the the, the mouth of the, the patient who's struggling with his rather cantankerous mother and that sort of thing. That these are very kind of normal, everyday sorts of problems that are, are coming up in the life of this person in the book, aren't they? They are.
1: And, and I think Lewis scholars very often will have great fun trying to work out, are there people in Lewis's real life who are appearing in a slightly different form in screw tape letters but but I think it, the whole point is that that everything hangs together so well I think that's one of the reasons why the book has has simply continued to be so popular because um, okay it, it's dated you know back in the 1940s so we need to make a large that. even so it still speaks to us very very clearly today and I think that um, you know you know it's a very important point to make that um, you do find yourself in a church community which may disappoint you but that in effect means you mustn't let screw tape use that as saying this is simply something uninteresting and unexciting let's leave it behind you say no 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 the the important thing is others have captured this vision as well they've seen something and that's good see it that way and again one of the themes we've talking about quite a lot in this set of podcasts is seeing things in a new way which is the right way and screw tape is trying to get his patient to see things in screw tapes way and what lewis is saying is no there's
0: another way in which you can see
1: them and that's much better
0: and I often feel like that's one of the things Lewis has helped me with is to see that a a truly mature Christian faith isn't having constant ecstatic experiences in church you know and, and in the Christian life but it's actually learning to see God and the purposes of God in the very ordinariness and sometimes, you know, frankly, disappointments of life. But the, the, the mature response is actually learning to see how God is there when, when we don't feel, you know, on cloud nine with, with some super spiritual experience. I think
1: that's absolutely right. And I think that Lewis clearly ha- ha- has had conversations with people which have um brought this point home to him he's realized this is a problem for a lot of people and he's found a very good imaginative and very witty way of actually confronting this issue and just just help people to see look um Isn't it great that Christianity is able to connect with ordinary people and make sense to them? And the fact that they are ordinary people does not say the gospel is not extraordinary. It is about the ability of Christianity to connect up with ordinary people. And again, that's a point that Lewis
0: makes quite a lot elsewhere, but it's good to see it made so well in this book I think this one's for me. It's aged quite well. I mean, obviously there are there are lots of references that are of their time. You know, it's it's set during World War Two when it was written. Um, but but what what do you think readers can take away picking it up today in you know twenty twenty two? Alistair, this this book. Well, Lewis begins the book by with a, a quote um, about the devil not
1: liking being mocked, and I think it, it's a very good example of Lewis using wit and humour to in effect begin to begin to subvert a lot of traditional atheist apologetics. And I think that's one of the reasons why people like it so much. It's very well written and it is so witty and humorous. And it allows us to see our spiritual struggles from a different perspective, which really helps us try to make sense of them, and figure out what to do about them. So I think actually that was very, very new at the time, but actually it still makes a lot of sense to people. It gives good advice, but the way in which it does it is actually quite unusual. So in effect, it it really has um, been very significant for an awful lot of people. It wasn't unfortunately all that good news for Lewis himself, because if you look at the front page, the title page of um, Screwtape Letters, most printings have, it's written by C.S. Lewis, a fellow of Magdalen College, Oxford, and his, other fellows at Morton College Oxford did not approve of this because they felt it in effect brought them into disrepute. Ooh. So
0: um, <laughs> words were said, I understand. <laughs> there you go. Was, was there a sense that they felt he was maybe using his position as a sort of way to to kind of boost his uh, private writing career? Was that the, the, the issue at stake? That was part of it. The other part was, why are you writing this stuff when you're meant to be writing about English literature? <laughs> <laughs> I I notice also in this in this lovely old edition I've got and I, I think it's also in later editions uh, it, it's um, the dedication is to J.R.R. R. Tolkien what why do you think this specific book was dedicated to to Tolkien well I, I I'm not quite clear why this specific book was dedicated to him but
1: I I know that Lewis had this ongoing sense of debt to Tolkien and that um he dedicated therefore one of his earliest books to him. Um you probably know this, but actually um Lewis himself once remarked that he Scrut letters wasn't actually one of his best books and Tolkien got to hear about this and felt you know why are you dedicating this book you do not think is very good to me <laughs> you know <laughs> um I personally think it was simply uh, <laughs> this is uh, an early book and Lewis wanted to put, make clear he owed a lot to various
0: people and Tolkien is one of them yes absolutely well um we owe a lot to him uh, in the process uh, it's it's certainly to the test of time um I A few years ago, I saw a wonderful stage production of it by Max MacLean, which is is well worth seeing if you ever get the chance. But um, uh, thank you very much for for taking us through it uh, on today's edition of the podcast, Alistair. Um, And tell us, what what will we be looking at on next week's podcast? Well, we're going to move on. We're going to look at The Great Divorce, which is one of Lewis's most interesting
1: works. And um, it's quite interesting just how much Lewis did during the Second World War. If you like, um, Oxford University was a bit disrupted. Teaching wasn't what it was. Lewis had more time in his hands. And actually, some of his best writings came out of that period. And The Great Divorce is one of those books which people keep coming back to. It's very, very interesting. I'm
0: looking forward to discussing with you quite soon so am I thank you very much Alistair if you want by the way more from Alistair and his own writing on Lewis and indeed many other topics as well alistairmcgrath.net is the place to go and we'll give you the ways to get in touch with this show as well in just a moment's time but for now thanks very much Alistair and see you next time I look forward to it very much thanks for listening to today's show Um, as we heard next time the great divorce 1945 this one was published very unusually told story really from the perspective of passengers on a day trip from hell to heaven alistair will be explaining how the story and characters drew out lewis's views on the nature of heaven and hell Uh, just a reminder you can get more from the show now at our new show page premierunbelievable.com. that's our new website for all our shows and resources uh, articles and more Uh, you can register for our newsletter there and you'll get a free ebook if you do that Um, links are with today's show for that and don't forget alistair also a keynote speaker at this year's unbelievable conference don't miss that saturday the 14th of may unbelievable.live you can attend from anywhere in the world for now god bless and best wishes see you next time